This is Anime Ichiban, Goomba Stomp's dedicated anime podcast. Uh, I am your temporary host, Kyle Rukashan. Um, with me here, to, I'm, I'm literally just reciting every time like Matt's done it. Um, <laughs> and it's like, it's just ingrained in my head. Hi. Yes, you may yeah. notice that it is me, Kyle, talking now. Um, and not Matt. Uh, Matt had to uh, take the recording off for some personal stuff, but, you know, we will uh, miss him dearly, and it has been a bit since all three of us have recorded together. Yeah, but so so we, we've had pretty much like every combination now, and this is your first time hosting. Yes, as well. this is also my so first so time after, after this episode, everyone has hosted, and everyone has been in like a kind of combination of some form. Yeah, it'll be nice. Well, that, that, that's all we like doing here. We we like changing things around, figuring out what sticks, figuring out what works. Variety. V- variety. Uh, that is, that we is have found none of it. None of it works. The entire thing is a failure, but we keep plowing on ahead anyway. Oh, man, that's a mood for just my... Well, <laughs> no, my life's doing all right now, but that, that is definitely a mood at times in life. But uh, speaking of life, uh, what have you been up to, Harry? Uh, I'm all good. Uh, for me, the biggest thing I've been doing recently, I've been working on an album. Oh, um, very nice. So, like, that's been... As of yesterday, I've got, I've got like the 10 tracks sort of sorted, but now it's a case of like overcoming weeks, kind of uh, making everything perfect, doing those mm, final mm-hmm, tweaks mm-hmm. and that, like, it, it's a weird one because it's like, you'll get to a point where it's like, I'm finished, I've done that, but you know that maybe like a few days later, you'll listen back to it and it's like, oh fuck, I need to change all that. So mm. right now I think it's finished, but I know it won't be. And I know there'll be things that I'll find to improve, gotcha. but uh, that's coming together, that's coming together gradually, but it's just a lot of work. Even just doing like 10 dumb pieces of dance music, mm-hmm. that is a crazy amount of work. So yeah, I'm getting there though. Um, but yeah, I've been good. I've been all cool. What about yourself? Um, I have been very busy. Uh, the reason I missed the last time uh, recording happened was because I was in the middle of a move. Uh, and in addition to that, I have also been going through salary negotiations at work, which is a very stressful thing to do. It ended up working out. Okay, I got more money and I'm getting more responsibility and it's great. People are liking the fact that I'm doing the work that I'm doing, which feels really nice and gratifying. But like past month and a half has been a... uh, (laughs) the, The floor for stress has been fairly high. So now I'm trying to look to to lower that a bit so my baseline is just a little more relaxed, which I'd like mm. to think it is now at this point. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing good. Um, I have been playing more games, uh, more single-player games, which was a little hard for me to do for a bit just because I couldn't focus. But uh, I guess more relevant to the podcast is I have been playing Scarlet Nexus. It, it is a Ooh. it is a very 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 anime game, um, and what I mean yeah, by I've heard that about is, it. is is it good? It, yes, it's very good. It's very cool. fun. Um, it's very tropey. I think I think you would like it, Harry, and I think Matt would like it because it's. Uh, I think out of all three of us, I'm definitely the one who's a little more burnt out on shonen 
but it's been a bit for me. So honestly, I had a lot of fun going into it just because it's like uh, me seeing all of these tropes. Like you got the childhood friend, you got the cool, collected, uh, distanced, uh, like uh, hyper competent, um, like love interest. You, you got the uh, you got a whole cast of characters that you've seen literally in like dozens of other shows and games, but mm. it's all done pretty fun. They they do a nice little spin on things, and the action combat is actually like really really good. Um, this thing, I I I love shonen stuff as you know, but even I find the the tropes <laughs> irritating. So I I do agree. It's, it's like I love it when it's done well and and when it's just thoroughly entertaining. But even I sometimes think, oh, fuck, that is so tropey. Um, yeah, but there's, but no, there, like, there's some fun in that sometimes. I, and, I, and I guess it really yeah. does depend on, like, your personal saturation for it. Like, if I hadn't yeah. grown up with a bunch of shonen and watched all the series that I had had already, um, I'd probably enjoy stuff like Jujutsu Kaisen. But yeah, because yeah. I've already seen... Hero Academia, Demon Slayer, Yu Yu Hakusho, Ruin, like a lot of big name shonen, right? It's like Jujutsu Kaisen isn't offering much different. Um, it's still, I'd still say yeah, it's course, good, yeah. right? But it's like I've I've seen this kind of the same thing with Doctor yeah, Stone, totally. and yeah. it's like yes, the concept or the premise is different, but the execution is still you know, it's tropey. And it's tropey for a reason because it mm. works. But eh, I'm having fun with all this to say I'm having fun with Scarlet Axis. Sweet. It's about your game recommendation of the day. Uh, yes. We're, we're already bringing up game recommendations of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, I recently replayed Ocarina of Time, Ooh. which was amazing because obviously it's a fucking great game and it's so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just plowed through that in a few days. Um, and then I'm replaying, well, I'm, I'm playing Skyward Sword HD. Ah, going through Skyward all the Zelda's so, now. This, this is the third time I've played through Skyward Sword. Oh my Obviously, God. the first time I've done the HD version. Nice. Um, yeah, like all the 3D Zelda's I've played through multiple times. Um, Skyward Sword is my least favorite of the 3D Zelda's. Um, it's not a bad game, but I think it's very, very disappointing as a 3D Zelda game. And I was, I was kind of looking forward to playing the HD version, thinking, you know, maybe it holds me a bit better. Uh, I'm using the button controls and I honestly do prefer it without motion controls. I will say that first of all, mm-hmm. I, I never really got on with the motion controls. I thought they were fine, but like it just, the game is designed the for the motion controls, isn't it? So the difficulty it, it, takes it is, that into yeah. account. Yeah. But, but like they've, they've done like buttons as, as an alternative version of this HD remaster, because like you could be, be playing it on the switch light hypothetically. Um, so you wouldn't be able to do motion. Gotcha. Um, and I do just think the button stuff just works better. Mm-hmm. I, I think the reason why, because if, if motion controls are better, every game would be doing motion controls, but it isn't because ultimately button controls are simpler, quicker, and more precise. It, it depends on the game. And, sure. Um, yeah. and I think for traditional, you know, games like that, right. It's like, you, you kind of need the buttons just because it allows a bit more fine control and quick, um, quick reactions yeah. and stuff like that. But you know, yeah. like if you're talking about VR games, obviously those are going to be done with motion oh, yeah, totally. in mind. I've, I've, yeah, I think Skyward Sword is definitely one of the better examples of motion controls in gaming. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah, but 
playing it with buttons, I've just thought, you know what, this is fine. This this to me is still just the best way to play a game. Mm. Just I don't know, maybe I'm simple, maybe I'm boring, but just sat there with a controller in your hands, you can't beat it. That is just the way to do it. Um, have you, have you played Skyward Sword before? I have attempted to. Um, I am also of the right. opinion that it's the weakest of the 3D Zeldas. Uh, yeah. For my part, because I tried to play Skyward Sword like immediately after doing replays of Wind Waker and Majora's Mask, uh, it yeah. like as much as I love those games, they're all just variations on Ocarina. And Skyward Sword <laughs> is kind of in the same camp. Yeah, so here's my kind of take on that, though. This is what's strange. People were were kind of saying, you know, 3D Zelda needs to innovate, which is why Breath of the Wild happened. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I do honestly think all the 3D Zelda games, whilst I follow certain tropes, they're all wildly different to one another in terms of their design and their approach to, to gameplay. The, the, the Zelda games are so, so similar. The 2D Zelda games, the top-down Zelda games, if you look at A Link to the Past, A Link Between Worlds, Link's Awakening... Uh, all of that top-down stuff, it's good, don't get me wrong, but those games are just, they're just identical to one another in many ways, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know that A Link to the Past and A Link Between Worlds, they're set in the same in the same location, so I get that. But, but even if you compare A Link to the Past to Link's Awakening, they're so similar as games, aren't they? L- let's be realistic in terms of their design, oh, yeah. and their, their gameplay, and the, the way they handle it. To yeah, me, and- they're far more similar but any 3D Zelda game would be. I think what really did it for me with Skyward Sword is that the experience didn't feel different enough. Because Wind Waker is my personal favorite, but it's definitely oh, like yeah. a very close carbon copy of the same gameplay cycle of <clears throat> of 3D Zelda that was you know introduced in Ocarina, right? But I really like the world that they did, the sailing, all of that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So good. Um, I'm all good. But I mean, I mean, yeah, it, Wind Waker is my favorite game yeah. of all time. Uh, um, I, I my top three favorite games ever are Wind Waker, Majora's Mask, and Ocarina of Time. They're my three favorite games ever. Um, so like, I love the 3D Zelda stuff. Um, beyond those three, I love Twilight Princess as well, and I love Breath of the Wild. Um, but Skyward Sword just never really did it for me. But there's good elements to it. It still has a lot of that Zelda charm and that Zelda magic. Oh, yeah. The thing, that, the thing that really spoils it for me is the linearity. Mm. It's the fact of, of like, so if you go down to like Elden Volcano or Lanyu Desert, not so much Farron Woods, but the volcano or the desert, instead of kind of creating this open space to explore, this open area with towns and cities and, and people to talk to and things to do, you're just kind of presented with like a kind of a straight path that you've got to go through full of enemies and hazards you follow this path and eventually after a few hours you get to the dungeon and then you do the dungeon and that's kind of the whole area sorted and that's that to me is a major issue the fact that it's just a linear pathway to the dungeon and there's very little and to be fair like path. all the 3d zeldas are pretty linear it's just i majora's mask would be like the most stark example of that i guess not necessarily being true, but there's, there's lots of side quests in Majora's Mask. Yeah, yeah there's side quests, but it's like the fundamental, the, the core gameplay loop is still do these temples and then, you know, there you go. Um, it, it's, I, I really liked Breath of the Wild for trying to break out of the formula, even though they just replaced temples with divine beasts. 
But it, you're mm-hmm. seeing this with a lot of long-standing franchises where they're trying to shake things up. I I forget. You you have you played any of the Tales games? No, I know the Tales. Okay, well, Tales of Arise is coming out uh, later this year, and it's coming off of games like Tales of Berseria and Tales of Zestiria, which have tried to break away from a formula that was pretty strongly entrenched in the franchise for the better part of a decade. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's what happens with any creative media. You just the trends set in because they work, and then people get tired of the trends. Um, yeah, it, I, I think like I mean, so it's, it's just just it's not the trails games that Matt really likes, is it? What other ones that he really likes? It's for oh no, it is the trails. It, it is trail. Uh, there's tails oh, and the then trails there's trails. trails. <laughs> oh, I'm getting so confused. Okay, so, so yeah, there's two. Um, yeah, I I think I know the one you mean. Um, I've I've not played them before, but like, would you say so, so for me, the 3D Zelda's really work? We'll get back to anime eventually, by the way. But I'm in a Zelda mode right now. The 3D Zelda's work because every world feels so distinctly different. Like, if you look at the world of Ocarina of Time and then the world of the Wind Waker, they are so, so different. And it's, it's not just the world, but the whole graphical art oh, yeah. style is different. And then it's like, like the whole way the game plays. And it's little things. So like Majora's Mask, you were mentioning, it's the fact of like, before you go into a dungeon, you have to do sort of like various side activities and, and, and side things. Um, and they'll be quite quite weird and quite quirky and eccentric and and they will kind of take you through to the dungeon eventually whereas skyward sword is just like a linear path of defeating mm-hmm. enemies yeah dungeon, and if that makes sense it, it's uh, zelda 3d before breath of the wild and from ocarina have more or less just been theme park games um mm. it's like you go on these vistas go through these vistas and you know you just here you go here, have fun um and they use a lot of the same zelda imagery um, and iconography yeah um, but yeah, it's like I was saying with like creative mediums, it's stuff tends to stick with what works just because the vast majority of people and consumers of media tend to be okay with that. Um, which is nice when you eventually get people in higher positions that are willing to take chances and give new opportunities. Um, using yeah. this as a uh, not-so-subtle segue into a fairly big announcement um, that came out of Anime Expo earlier this month, which is that Star Wars, the, Lucasfilm, Disney, the, the Star Wars brand is partnering with a bunch of anime studios to bring out nine original animations that take place in the Star Wars universe. So among them... Um, are Kamikaze Doga, which is known for the JoJo OPs. And if you ever played Fire Emblem Awakening, they did all of the 3D cutscenes in there. Um, we've got uh, Gino Studio, uh, creators or animators behind uh, Golden Kamui, uh, Science Saru, people behind Izakin, Doman Crybaby, and Ping Pong. Um, and several other you know high profile studios but the biggest ones and the ones that got the most attention is the fact that studio trigger is going to be uh spearheading two separate animations um and like all of these announcements got screenshots and uh previews shared 
And while they all look great and they're all very indicative of the style, like if you look at the announcements uh, and you see the trigger announcements, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's trigger. It's uh, <laughs> it's very sharp angles and very dynamic poses with large starbursts and big sweeping space battles and stuff like that. Yeah. But I, I'm pretty sure I've, I've said it before, mm-hmm. but like, I, I would love for Star Wars to be more eccentric at times and to have an animated oh, yeah. series, an, an anime. I never have done animated series before, but uh, to have it an anime would be amazing. And it sounds like we're kind of getting our wish to some degree. I really hope that if like, I hope they're kind of using this as a bit of a trial and they, they show the shorts and whichever one fans react best to, or whichever two they react best to, um, Disney commissioned them to actually go and make full series. Oh, that would that be would the dream. Be really yeah, cool. I'm, I'm pretty sure like that's what this push is for. Um, just because in so many different industries and different franchises and fandoms, anime is very, very, very rapidly becoming more mainstream and accepted. Um, mm. You know, e- even like in my work uh, being a community manager at Xbox, like we're pushing out a bunch of Japanese games, like i'm interacting with vtubers because vtubers are being like a huge global phenomenon now and it's just the idea that you can get very good honestly works of art out of anime as a medium and that it's not just all weird hentai sex pervert schoolgirl shows um you know it's it's nice to see that stuff like this is being recognized. Um, and it was really cool because you know you had like very well-known figures like Hiroyuki Imaishi, um, the dude behind like shows like Gurren Logan and Kill la Kill, speaking um as part of the announcement um and talking about how excited they are, you know, working with Star Wars. Because yeah, what what's also interesting to see, like you said, is just a different culture's take on what is traditionally western storytelling which yes get it out of the way now that star wars was based on japanese filmmaking and mythology but semantics aside right like the 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 identity of star wars in the contemporary context is still very western based yeah yeah totally and i think what's interesting about this as well is that like um I don't want to get too much into the politics of it because I know that Star Wars fans can be very rabid and very uh, opinionated. Mm. But um, from what I know, for the most part, fans weren't particularly happy with the sequel trilogy. Um, and I think what, what that's potentially showing is that really, I don't know, like, like the people doing the, the main Star Wars movies, they don't really get it or they're not quite nailing it. Um, so it would be interesting to see another country uh, interpret it and say, look, this is what we think Star Wars should be. Because I think sometimes through that experimentation, you can strike gold. Yeah. You know, and it, could, it could be that one, one of the animations could just be fucking genius, an amazing idea. And it's like, shit, we've got to commission that because we need to see that elaborated. In I mean, that's basically what happened with Little Witch Academia. Talking about Trigger, like uh, yeah. Little Witch Academia was originally like the um, winner of an internal competition um, at mm. Trigger. And then when the short came out, like it was a 20 minute like OVA people responded extremely positively to it and then it got a full series um yeah so yeah like i this is ideally what is the case here 
with, let me double check. I think it's nine. Yes, it's nine different shorts. Um, and because it's being headed by, you know, these studios that aren't, they're, they're, they're not big budget Hollywood films. So there's not a huge amount of money riding on it. So that means it's much lower risk, meaning that these creators can take chances. Um, and it's interesting to look at the history between like Western and Japanese partnerships when it comes to animation. Um, and we'll dig into this in a sec here with uh, the anime tube scandal, but there has hmm. historically been a lot of distrust uh, between, you know, Western and Japanese companies because Western distributors tend to cut and edit uh, the original vision. Like there was one instance of like when, when uh, Nausicaa first came stateside, uh, they very, very, very heavily edited it um, to the point where uh, when Disney sought to distribute Princess Mononoke uh, years later. I, I heard about this earlier, yeah. Yeah, where... Uh, I forget who it was, but some exec over at Ghibli uh, sent over a katana with the note that said, uh, no cuts. Yeah, I read this in one of the articles you sent me, I think. Um, and yeah, like, okay, I was actually thinking about this topic earlier. This is like, I'm going to kind of veer off on this a little bit because I think this is quite interesting. So mm-hmm. I know in America, censorship of cartoons is very strict. Yes. And censorship of quote-unquote children's television is very strict. And I guess anime for a long time was seen as children's television. Um, one of the most notorious examples has been my favourite, One Piece. Oh, I don't yes. Know no, I am very well aware yeah, of this so one. It was when, when it came over and four kids initially dubbed it. And I think they, they got it in a bundle, didn't they? So they, they didn't really, they didn't specifically get One Piece. It was like One Piece came with with something else they wanted. And they just knew this is an anime that's really popping off in Japan. And they just, oh, it's just horrendous. Because I love One Piece to bits, but it's, it's quite dark at times. It can, it can be quite, uh, quite macabre at times. Mm-hmm. But that's so wonderfully juxtaposed with a kind of zany comedy that it just becomes this crazy roller coaster that you oh, yeah. just love. That's what makes it so good. It's that constant juxtaposition between the different thematic elements. Um, but yeah, the amount of stuff they censored. Even down to things that are almost like silly, like Sanji smoking a cigarette. It becomes like a lollipop. Um, they change it to a lollipop. Here's, so here's what I'm thinking. Like, what's your take on this? Like, if they're going to do that, if they're going to start censoring children's TV, they need to kind of have a reason. So they need to say, we've done studies and children who are not exposed to this content have a higher likelihood of uh, being happier and healthier mentally. For example, or, or like yeah, children I mean, who are exposed to this content, like an, they're more likely to become in an criminals. Ideal, but, yes, but, in an ideal world, like we'd have that down to a science, but the reality of it is that we don't, right? Um, so what's the, what's the reason? Because if, if there's no actual study to back up a, a serious point, I mean, why we, we can only speculate, stuff? right? There, there's no mm. actual, like, they're, they're never going to say what the actual reason is, but we can postulate, we can guess um, but it's not hard to see that there are just very different values on very different things, um, which is hard when you're talking about transposing media from one culture to another. Because yeah, like we've we've gone over this before in other episodes, but 
different cultures have different values and they value different things. Mm. Um, so honestly, like for me, the most surprising part about uh, Star Wars Visions, this initiative to get anime studios to make Star Wars content, is for me how some of these designs are like... <laughs> I don't want to say wife, but that, like they're, they're close though. Is like there there is a perception, at least in America, where if you have a it's hard to say like because cuteness is subjective, right? But it's like let's just say the idea of like a cute anime girl, right? And it's like some somebody who doesn't necessarily like anime or even understand it, we'll see that and be like, well, I guess Star Wars is letting the weebs take over. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And it, it's got that negative connotation. Um, when, you know, from a, in a Japanese animation perspective, it's just an aesthetic choice. Uh, granted, yeah. if you're looking at that from the lens of, you know, Western society, it's like, oh, well, did this character need to be in high heels? Did this character need to have a skirt as part of their design? And then you get into the semantics of, you know, what is culturally important as a value to uphold, right? So it, yeah. it is a constant conversation just because, like, those things are always shifting. Like, if you look at any of the things that we've brought over stateside or just into the West, like but per- Persona, for example, like looking playing Persona 4 recently, um, because Persona 4 is super fucking anime. It's a high school life sim, and there are some jokes in there that are just not like they would not fly. Um now. Uh there are a lot of ableist jokes. They're very uh iffy transphobic and homophobic jokes. Um, and there was even stuff like that in Persona 5 where they, and talking about censoring, like yeah. that did get toned down in the localization. So it is really going to depend on who's doing the lo- localization and how much autonomy they have to do that. So I'm interested I've, to see yeah, like, I've, what I've, that I've looks really... like when they bring these Star Wars anime, like what, what these will actually look like. So, yeah. I really understand it. If, if it's like, hey, this is kind of homophobic or transphobic, I totally get censoring that because it's like, yeah, in the same way you wouldn't have something racist. But it's but like, still in the same ballpark of like those issues you were talking about with One Piece. Like those were deemed culturally yeah. different. Those were deemed I, culturally important I, I think, to cut out. Yes. Yeah, so, so, I mean, I, I think it's, it's because there's, there's perhaps a, quite a firm reason as to why to stop something that's homophobic or transphobic because it's very much a case of, well, we could have gay fans watching this and you don't want to feel like you're being attacked when you're watching Star Wars. You don't want to feel like your sexuality or your identity, your gender identity, whatever it might be, is being attacked or made fun of when you're watching a cartoon about Star Wars. So I think that's very, very fair. And at the end of the day, it is just taking a stance against discrimination, which is something I fully understand. Um, I think the difference is with, with you know, censoring something like... Uh, like, I think in, in children's cartoons, you're not allowed to mention if a character dies mm-hmm. or, or like like a character. So I, there's a video online of uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, and it's all the moments where they wanted to say this character has died or I will kill this character. Mm-hmm. But we have to kind of say, like, I will destroy you. 
you will be no more when I'm done with you. They have to say all these different mm-hmm. lines instead. And to me, that's just silly. T- to me, I, I just think, I, I just feel like any censorship like that loses its credibility when you remember that you can buy an assault rifle in America. It just immediately oh, yeah. just falls apart. But yeah. this is the game that has to get played um, in, you know, creative spheres and in media. So I'm mm-hmm. very interested to see, uh, because in the like announcement video that they released um, at Anime Expo, where they had a bunch of producers from Lucasfilm and the anime studios talking about visions, uh, it was very pointedly Japanese-inspired, right? And it's like, obviously, you know, they're anime yeah. studios. Of course, they're going to be Japanese-inspired. But they are pushing it forward as like anime as a product of Japanese storytelling, which by proxy means it's a product of Japanese culture, which by that means it's a product of Japanese values. So. Interestingly, I mean, I can only speak for Trigger here, but I actually think Trigger have always been pretty good when it comes to like not being homophobic and not being negative. I actually think I've noticed they had like characters of color as well and stuff, which I know is like very uncommon. But I think think the biggest prop, quote unquote problem uh, that this is going to run into, especially with Disney and Star Wars, is that there is still... It's coming to a mainstream audience. Yes, it is going into a mainstream audience a mainstream audience that sees something like a, like if you look at the designs for one of the shorts um, that trigger is doing is called the twins. And it's based on this. uh, It's taking the idea of, you know, Luke Skywalker and Leia and imagining a new set of twins born into the dark side instead, Um, which is a cool concept. It's great. And, um, like I, I would love to see what Trigger does with it, but if you look at the design for the girl, uh, yes, <laughs> she is in high heels. She's got a mini skirt, and like she, she is very clearly like feminine in design. And there mm. are lots of people, you know, in Western societies that would argue that that is an oversexualization, that that is an unnecessary, that that that's unnecessary, right? But it's like yeah. from the Japanese perspective, that is an aesthetic choice. Um, granted, yeah, you can uh, also get into the argument of that perspective on the Japanese side being wrong, right? But then it, it just, mm. I, that's why I'm interested to see how this pans out because Trigger historically has been no stranger to uh, using sexualization as a means of storytelling. Wink, mm. kill the kill, wink. <laughs> well they've only really done it in Killer Kill like in terms of taking it to that level that's and, true and but with Killer yeah Kill, that's true they, 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 they sort of commit to it so strongly as a narrative tool that it, it stops feeling like fan service and starts to feel like just stylistic eccentricity mm-hmm. that you can appreciate for being stylistically eccentric um, then what would the oh, okay so, I, so taking that then right like looking at the Star Wars visions and looking at the twins like what I guess, justification would there be for having a character in high heels in a miniskirt? And uh, like looking at it from the perspective of that this was a choice on the creator's part rather than there is an in-universe reason for this. So so as to whether it's intended as sexualization, I don't know. I've, I've, 
I've not seen that sort of thing as sexual personally because um, it's a fucking cartoon. Uh, and this See, Harry, was, that is the perspective I'm, 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 I wish I'm, everybody had. It is just a yeah, fucking cartoon. I, I'm not cool. someone... But yeah, I'm not someone who watches cartoons and think, oh, thinks, oh, that's fucking sexy because I prefer to have sex with actual humans. <laughs> I prefer to actually uh, not be a fucking loser. But anyway. <laughs> My God. Well, there goes all um, of our a, fans. A di- there goes all of our fans who watch hentai. Oh, well, you fucking losers. Anyways, um, like, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just, my view is just, you know, it, it looks interesting, looks cool, it looks fun. If if it's fun and eccentric and quirky, then go for it. But that's why I love anime, not for any kind of sexual element, just because oh, it's it's quirky and weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess yeah, if, if you've not watched anime yeah. before, and like you might Im- you might immediately think the fact that they're not wearing like uh, very default sort of dark side suits and they're wearing something a bit more quirky and cartoonish. I think it's a problem because so many of these things have colloquially become attached and almost defined by their sexualization by fans. So it it just kind of comes with the territory in the sense that you expect people to respond to this in a certain way. Like, so talking about, you know, just uh, having these different views and anime as a platform to go for eccentric ideas, like that's what's super cool about visions as a concept is it's taking very, very strongly established um, Western media, right? Stuff that has like a, a decided tone and feel and image. And now we're seeing a very Japanese centered take on it. So you're some of the different um, shorts, like The Ninth Jedi, which is being done by production IG, um, is about a lightsaber smith, which is such a cool concept, right? Yeah. And it's like, that's that's not necessarily anime. I just wanted to talk about that. That was really cool. But <laughs> I, I think that's really cool, um, yeah. There, there's yeah. another like, one like- um, where like you straight up have a an anthropomorphic furry looking character, which you know, if you look at stuff like B stars and BNA, that's not super out of the ordinary. But there are fans who will see that, and especially because it's a girl character, it's gonna it's going to be inherently tied to its sexualization. I mean, okay, I'm, I'm going to take two points here. So, like, number one, we've got Ewoks. So, I don't think the idea of a furry character. <laughs> I, well, okay, there's a difference uh, between a fur, like, <laughs> like an Ewok yeah. and a humanoid I, I, with fur. I, I think part of the, okay, so, like, for me, I, I won't go into this too much. Um, when it comes to the sequel trilogy, the one that I, I, I was fine with The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, but the one that I really didn't like was The Rise of Skywalker. The reason being is because it felt so much like it rested on Star Wars tropes. Mm. And I actually prefer, I preferred the first half because it felt like it was a bit different. It kind of, they went to some different planets and some unique locations. It was when it settled into the sort of Star Wars greatest hits that I really got bored of it. When it felt like it was just ticking boxes. And this is where I actually think what Star Wars needs and what it's been succeeding at in recent years, I feel, is when it does kind of break the rules and say, well, what if we look at this? What if we look at yeah. this? And things the, that have never really been in the films, things that are brand new, right. which is where a, light, a lightsaber smith 
genius. Like we've never, and we've never the looked interesting at that. part behind uh, that is they very clearly established um, in these announcements that while they're trying to do new things, what is important as a guiding point for them is what can what makes Star Wars Star Wars thematically, and that is what yeah. I feel like has gone missing from a lot of more recent Star Wars media is like it's and they talked about this where it's like it's about this idea of spirituality of selflessness of adventure right and like that is what I want to see Mm. divorced from like you said the checklists divorced from the tropes divorced from the events and things that we've already seen done before I'm I'm totally fine because at the end of the day, these are just like animated shorts. They don't mean that much, do they? They're just animated shorts. I'm fine with them just being a little weird experiment saying, what if? Yeah. So what if, what if this character is this furry female <laughs> weirdo? Like, it doesn't matter. It's not like they're doing a whole trilogy about it. Oh, no, it's not like yeah. they're doing a big major Star Wars film release. It's a quick five to 10 minute animated short. And, and that's where I'm thinking, you know what, this is fine. This is the perfect platform for these creators to get weird and to push boundaries and to break the rules because if it doesn't work, if it's a bit shit, it doesn't really mean anything, does it? It doesn't That's really, really exactly. have any knock-on It's low effect. risk and it, it doesn't, very it doesn't affect the fran- high opportunity. Yeah, it doesn't affect the franchise. So if people do get pissed off, like, why are you doing this? Why are we doing that character? Shut the fuck up. It doesn't matter. They are quick animated shorts. They are not going to affect the franchise. They are not going to change anything. They're just quick animated experiments that studios are doing for fun. And at best, they might actually introduce some great ideas that can positively inform. Listen, Harry, we already we already got the best idea, which is a conjoined star destroyer, which is two star destroyers that are joined by a giant single engine, and that, that's it. That's the ship. Ooh, and, and what that's in the that, that, that's in the twins. <laughs> It's a, it, oh, right, yeah. it's a very trigger thing where they just took two ships, oh, totally. put them together, and made a bigger ship. And well, like each twin is in a different oh, shape. Is that probably. the idea? Yes, that is probably the I, idea. I, I mean, it's it's just going to be fun. It's, it's, it's just going to be a, a just bit of fun. Be fun. Uh, and like uh, like there'll be some of the shows that won't be as good. Some of them will be great. Some of them will be mediocre, and it's fine. But at least they get to try. It's just it's, it's going to be it's good. All it matters is is it going to be interesting. That's what I care about. The worst thing these could be is predictable generic Star Wars fare, and they won't be. They'll be interesting, well, so I'm excited. Speaking of predictability, uh, predictably, uh, <laughs> I, I'm trying to make the <laughs> segue. segue. Where, this is my first time hosting. I don't, I don't know if this is a good... Whatever, anime too. <laughs> so, uh, talking about platforms and you know, going back to our earlier point of licensing issues and just... <laughs> The relationship between Japan and the West is something we've talked about a lot, especially when it comes to distribution and streaming platforms and all of that. So, uh, earlier this month, there was a little scandal with a Kickstarter campaign uh, called AnimeTube. And AnimeTube was supposed to be this platform that offered anime your your favorite series for free all you just there might be some ads but otherwise you know you're you're just it's it's going to be great it's going to be a great platform they advertised all of these shows which they had absolutely no licensing rights for 
and this very, very quickly blew up in their face as industry professionals uh, took to social media and are like, yeah, none of this is true. Um, there were lots of threads that went into detail about the kinds of costs that went into actually starting up a platform like this, the costs that go into securing licensing rights and all of that. And if you look at the uh, AnimeTube Kickstarter, which has actually been suspended, <laughs> um, this is actually the second time that they've tried to crowdfund and the second time that it has ended poorly. Um, yeah, it looks very amateurish. <laughs> And it is yeah. not very well put together, not very well thought out. Um, like, for, for, for just, instance, was... like one of the things that they talk about is one of their stretch goals being the cost of hiring a studio to record English dubs. And they say, quote, this includes the cost of the voice actors, studios, distribution costs, licensing rights, and more. Um, if we can reach our top stretch goal, then we will add additional stretch goals for more anime shows to dub and distribute. Um, but the problem is, is that they named specific dubbing studios without ever having contacted them beforehand. Mm. So all of this reads like a, like some kid on the playground who is just trying to like talk about something that they think is cool. Yeah. Like I was, I was thinking about this and I respect anyone trying to be an entrepreneur and trying to like make it, but I fucking hate people who go about this in a shitty amateurish way. And the reason I hate them is because this is real people's money you're playing with. This is real people who earn money and who work hard for it. And you're saying to them, give me your money only to not deliver what you're promising because you are fucking fraud. You're an amateur piece of shit. Uh, this makes me really angry, to be honest, because, like, mm -hmm. I really hate that we all have to work hard to get money and to get by, and that money could go on people's rent or their food or things that they really need, and they're choosing to treat themselves. I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to back this Kickstarter. And it's all just bullshit, all because some prick didn't do their research. It reminds me of... um. Did you follow the whole Dashcon controversy? Ah, uh, yes, I remember Dashcon. I am very familiar yes. with Dashcon. It makes me angry for that exact same reason. Now, it's all a meme, it's all well and good, but, but at the end of the day, that's real people who traveled down oh, yeah. there, who paid money, all to get fucked over because the organizers didn't do it properly. They were morons, they were idiots. And they, they didn't organize things properly. They were completely unprofessional. And I've got no sympathy for people. Like, like if you're going to do that, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to start a company or do whatever, that's fine, but do it legit. One of the things to, take, right. one of the things to take away from this is that there, the reason it saw success is that there was, the success that it did see um, is that there is a very clear and evident need for alternatives. People aren't, especially yeah. as like Sony is grabbing up Crunchyroll, Funimation, and you've got more and more shows falling under like fewer and fewer companies. Like there is a very real concern for monopolization of the anime distribution industry. Um, it's just yes, this is not the way to do it. Um, but like, I'm not defending it, but I am defending the need that went behind it. And whether or not the yeah. people that actually tried to push the Kickstarter, I, I I would honestly say it's like 
what, what, what is that quote? Never attribute to malice what you could attribute to stupidity. I, I oh, personally, I've not, I've not that, but... I personally believe that they really thought they could do this. But I also, mm. you know, like you said, do believe that they just are kind of idiots and didn't do their research, which is just as bad as if they were trying to scam people. Um, yeah, because you know, yeah, like, especially it's, like with Dashcon, right? like these are. I, I, I like. I like. There's no responsibility. I like the quote. It it could just be stupidity, but at the end of the day, if you're an adult, tough shit. You know, if you're if you're an adult, then you're expected to have a degree of competence and a degree of responsibility to your actions. So, like, you, you if you do something really fucking stupid as an adult, just say, "Oh, sorry, it was stupid." Yeah, and you're a prick for doing it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's quite cold of me, but but do you know what I mean? Like, like assuming this person who did the Kickstarter was an adult, which they should have been, or else it's illegal anyway. Mm. Um, you know, they they were more than old enough and hopefully wise enough to do the proper research. If they didn't do that, yeah, it was stupid. But tough shit, you're an adult. You should know. You should know the basics of setting up a company like this. Well, at the very least, they've and, been they've been yeah. shut down. So as of July 10th... They've been rumbled. Uh, as of July 10th, the Kickstarter campaign for AnimeTube has been suspended by the service for violating Kickstarter policies. Mm. All the Twitter accounts... Have people got their money back. been deleted, and yes, they are refunding people. Or at least Kickstarter. I, I just know good. that people are getting their money back. Uh, but Fast the company yeah. is still active on Facebook and has stated that they wish to appeal the suspension... Uh, but the result of the appeal remains unknown, and the company has yet to respond to claims made by industry professionals regarding the authenticity of the campaign. So, yeah, I again, it's for, yes. While I understand the severity of it, I understand that these are real people's money and you know livelihoods in some cases could be um, at stake. It's still pretty funny. Like there, there is a, yeah. there, there is I mean, an for me, an undeniable aspect of humor behind the sheer incompetence of it. Like, it would be I, I another thing me, if this is, was, like, well-engineered, but this is very, like... It's, yeah. it's a... I think it's bad for me, because currently, like, um, it was recently I bought a PlayStation 5. Oh, nice. Only to realize, oh. no, it's not nice, because I, sc- I was scammed, oh. and it never turned up. And so I managed to get my money back, oh, unfortunately, but, like, the whole thing was the whole thing was a scam. This company scams loads of people. Uh, and then today I was with my nan and granddad who were both like in their 80s approaching 90 and they were getting these like scam text messages to their phone. And I'm, I'm just thinking like, I fucking hate scammers. I hate anyone who's tried to take someone's money unethically. Um, and to me, I just, this just reeks of that. So it's something I'm really kind of mentally uh, crusading yeah. against a lot right now. So I've not got much time for it. I just think anyone who's, who's fucking out of people's money, fuck you like big time because like that's just not fair. Like I appreciate getting a job is hard and working. It's it's difficult. I get it, but like, don't take it out on other people. D- don't fuck up other people's lives. It's just it's just not nice. Yeah. Um, this, however, mm-hmm. with all that said, I I agree with you completely. There needs to be a better app for anime streaming. One hundred percent. This unfortunately is probably not the last we'll see of stuff like this. Um, like mm-hmm. there, especially with like manga scanlation sites, like. Like sites like Kubari and Mangadex are going to be around uh, just because people don't want to pay for what they view as something they should get for free. But yeah. um, you know, it, it's always going to be hard when 
monies involved, um, especially in an age where, like, it's so easy to get things for free if you really wanted it. Uh, yeah. But, yes, but I am at least glad to see that something high-profile like this got shut down um, the way it did. And I think mostly because, like, yes, we can expect, like, you know, piracy sites to still be up, but it's another thing to use a legitimate platform like Kickstarter to try and get something like this off the ground. Yeah. Yeah, if this was some, like, bullshit little scam going around on Facebook, it wouldn't be quite as bad because you could very easily see, or, like, the vast majority of people could very easily see this is a load of rubbish. Mm-hmm. But when you do it on Kickstarter, there's just almost like this, this badge of uh, confirmation about its legitimacy because you think, oh, it's on Kickstarter, it must be yep. legit. And it's not, I will obviously. say. I will say, the cool thing about this scandal is that it did lift the veil on how anime gets distributed, um, mm. in, especially you know, in the West. Um, and there were a lot of people that work in localization and distribution and licensing that were talking about like the actual process and the effort that goes into it, the money that goes into it, and yeah. how much thought and effort goes into even like putting out a tweet or an announcement. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's it. It's like, it's, uh, just compared to the music stuff, I remember like illegal downloads of music were huge. And then Spotify kind of stopped that mm-hmm. by saying, we've got a streaming service now where you can stream anything you want all for a reasonable price. Um, and you can do a free version with adverts. And that's what killed illegal downloading. I think anime would be the same, where like mm-hmm. to stop illegal anime streaming you need one subscription service which gives you access to all the anime you could ever want. And people would buy it. Everyone would fucking pay for it because it's like one service. The issue is like, you've got anime scattered on like Netflix, Funimation, Crunchyroll, Amazon Prime, just loads of different things. Mm -hmm. It's like, how many people are going to buy a subscription for each one? Like, probably not many. Most people might have maybe two. But like, yeah, so then I, I guess this goes into the question of like, is monopolization then a good thing for anime? It's uh, it's, it's difficult because I think in a weird way for the consumer, yes, in the sense of it potentially gives them one subscription service, mm-hmm. which which could yeah, it's way cheaper than paying for multiple subscription services. Um, I mean, I, th- I don't know how much twenty roll is a month, but like, I think it's about like nine quid or something i don't know mm-hmm. it, it's quite a bit and it's like that's kind of the same as what spotify is and with spotify you get access to all the music yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah with, with a Crunchyroll subscription you get access to some anime whereas like if you're paying that same price but you're getting access to all anime that's a fucking mm-hmm. good deal even if you're paying like 15 quid well that's more. why like what it's like that's that, for a consumer that is still better that is a better value for money than what you're getting right now yeah, I think the streaming, like like video streaming service is, I guess it is hard to say whether or not it should follow the music streaming model. Um, I don't, I don't, like, yes, from the consumer perspective, obviously, like, it would be super nice, super convenient to have it all in one place. But, you know, there are obvious dangers that come from that. Um, and we've kind of been seeing it with Spotify where it's just like, they, they are very, Mm. 
Yes, it is still a nice service, but they can more or less make whatever decision they want. And you just have yeah, to either be okay with it or just, leave the platform. And there's also a fact of like, they've not been paying smaller artists very much at all. Mm-hmm. Like your bigger artists like Drake and Justin Bieber, they get fucking loads, obviously. But like when it comes to any kind of like smaller or even just moderately sized artist, they won't get much from Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where obviously in an ideal world, you'd want to kind of a great streaming service for anime, but you'd also want to make sure that there's like very strict rules in place where the company heading that has to pay animators, anime studios, voice actors a good wage. Like whether it's a huge show or a small show. Yeah, and unfortunately that's really wage. like only something that can be insured mm. internally and at the top. So you basically have to hope that your companies are being run by good people. Yeah. You, or at you least have people to make sure who are people fair, in charge of com- good. I think we just need to make sure, and this goes for, for everywhere, whether it's politicians, whether it's for heads of company, we need to stop putting cunts in charge. Yeah. We need to stop yeah. putting putting absolute cunts in charge of companies, running countries as presidents and prime ministers. We need to stop voting for them, and then companies need to stop promoting them. We need to actually stop validating cunts in our society. There we go. I'm going to uh, you, you, on my you, you, so you solved it. <laughs> you, you solved every I'm problem. Solved every... No, but I, 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 I get I'm what right, you mean. Yes. I'm yes. right, aren't uh, I? I'm right. We just... We love cunts and we just keep validating them. It's not good. Well. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, yes. So at the very least, uh, I, I don't, it, that, that's a bit of a, a, a more harsh word here in the US. So I'll just say dicks. But it is nice to see <laughs> that we uh, successfully, the, the collective, the, the royal we, uh, I guess we've, 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 taken it back in, to sen- we've taken it back to censorship, haven't oh we? Oh my God. Uh, anime tubes done. <laughs> anime tubes no more. It is. It was a weird car wreck of a scandal that's still kind of on fire, but we're well past it. Um, this won't. This wasn't the first, and this will not be the last. But um, yeah, it is a constantly evolving conversation about what the nature of media consumption should look like. Um, yeah. And talking about evolving media landscapes, um, Harry, I know that you are not necessarily as big into VTubers as me and Matt are, and I think at this point, I don't know if Matt's I, I'm, even, I'm afraid I'm not, I'm not at all as big into it as I am, but, uh, yeah, so, companies are very quickly figuring out that VTubers are a global phenomenon, and they make a lot of money. Uh, so, Hololive, uh, pushed out its English-speaking generation, um, last year and uh, niji sanji another vtuber company pushed out their english speaking vtubers earlier this yeah like like one or two months ago and niji sanji is pushing out or just pushed out another set of english speaking vtubers uh the group is named obsidia and they have they they debuted yesterday and they are yep they are just more cute anime girl streamers and they are, it's just fascinating to watch. It, it, because I, I lived, and I, I'd say we, we both lived through that period where anime was niche, right? And talking about how anime, especially with stuff like Star Wars Visions, anime is becoming more mainstream. Like, 
for me, this is what like watching VTubers now is like. It's watching a very niche subculture rapidly expand because it works, because it makes money, and because people enjoy it, and because it's really not that harmful. Um, I would argue it's not that harmful. Um, but yeah, um, Niji Sanji uh, debuted three new VTubers, um, Rosemary Lovelock, Selen Tatsuki, and Petragoran, who are a rose, uh, dragon, and penguin VTuber, respectively. And the, the whole idea of VTubers is like, the, the way I explain it to people is that it's like wrestling. It's like, you know, it's fake, you know, it's an act, but you buy into it. I just, I just want to say, by the way, it must be really strange if you're somebody like goes to like a meetup and someone's like, oh, what do you do for work? Oh, I, I'm a builder. What do you do? I'm a painter. What do you do? I'm a penguin VTuber. <laughs> it must be something kind of weird about saying that. Yeah, I, I think it's just because it's the novelty of it. Because it's like, like my, yeah, so my job, I, was, I, was like, gonna... I have to explain my job. It's like, I, if you were to sum down my job into one sentence, you, you could say, I, I, I make memes for a living. And that's really but not I, that far from the truth. You could, you could kind of quote unquote professionalize that by saying, I'm a social media manager. Yes. And you can, prof- I would argue you can professionalize and, and, and the like, VTubers. And most, like, most people know what social media is. Like, oh, social media, you're the manager. And they can kind of get it. Yeah. But like VTuber. You're a digital like, entertainer. What is, what, is, what is a VTuber? And what do you mean you're a penguin VTuber? Um, I was going to say that like, Oh. Is this just so it's really big in America? Because I've not heard of the word VTuber in the UK it, at all. It might well the thing is, is like VTubers are fairly a fairly global phenomenon. Um it maybe it's not in the UK, but I know it's super popular in like just in Asia in general. For some some reason, I, I mm. don't I don't necessarily know why, but there is like a very large presence of VTubers in Indonesia. Uh both Niji Sanji and Hololive have uh Indonesia branches. Um, mm. and yeah, it's just, it, it is interesting watching this explode. Like, um, Hololive also debuted another VTuber as part of their V-Singer, um, initiative. And, um, the, this VTuber, Iris, uh, debuted to nearly a hundred and thousand concurrent viewer, viewers on YouTube. Um, and they, they just have an insane online presence that comes from the they they are digital idols right and idol subculture is something that's very unique to japan but it's spreading and this is something that i'm kind of a little iffy on just because idol subculture gets a little weird and stalkerish at times um but it's because you know like they take the wrestling approach which is treat these characters and what they're doing as if they were real and playing it straight and playing it serious while also recognizing that there is an actual person behind the persona. Um, but you know, there are some fans who are a little more in the neck beardy basement dwelling type who yeah. equate the person and the persona as one and the same. Yeah. So, Probably develop yeah. develop like really unhealthy crushes. Yeah, I, I, and, I'm I'm going to yeah. say that that is a vocal minority, and the vast majority of people are just people who, in like, I, I just like watching a cute anime girl 
because I like cute anime girl shows. Um, and I am a firm believer that you can like cute anime girls without being a weird sex pervert. Um, yeah. But there is unfortunately like that, that, you know, stigmatization that comes with VTubers. But it, it, it does become, it is easier to be a weird sex pervert and like anime it is easier. girls. It is easier. But... L- l- like it, it clicks more. It meshes together more. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> the thing with VTubers too is like they're, they're very well aware of this and they play into it. Um, I Some play it up, but most of the time like these VTubers just lean into it. And they recognize it because it's not like they're they're not trying to police how fans engage and consume their content. It's just, they, they 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 do it because they enjoy it and they like being cute anime girls. Um, right. So it's uh, I I have fun with it, but I also have the presence of yeah. mind to understand that it is not real. That these are actual people and that this is a job that they do for a living. They get paid money. They get paid really good money. Um. To yeah, do what yeah. they do. And, and they, they earn it through being talented and being entertaining and working hard. Yeah. And yeah, big respect. Like, I get it fully. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's just, I don't know. I, it really fascinates me, the whole like anime fan stereotype of like these kind of nerdy incel guys, these neckbeards who like are, are just absolute creepazoids. I don't know. I, I just, that is why, so that like, is why I want to si- help The psychology of it. But yeah, I, the psychology of it just fascinates me. In it, it's it's because stuff like this is easily accessible on the internet, right? But that's why I love seeing stuff like this brought into the mainstream, bring it out of the basement and put it out for other people to enjoy so other people can yeah. realize, hey, I'm having fun watching weird space fight shenanigans uh, with cute anime girls and whatever, right? And it's like... It, it becomes less about the weird preconceptions and more about the actual media, more about the actual entertainment of it, rather than the conversations around it, which are still important to have, but it's not, like, the main point. If the main point is having fun. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. Um, I, I think, like, you know, I, I don't know, I, I feel like, the sort of stigma of anime being like kind of a weeby nerdy neckbeard thing, it will always exist because it will always be something that weeby nerdy neckbeards are attracted to. Oh, yeah. But it will become more mainstream and it will invite more people in. Um, it is, it's true. I guess bringing it home to something else I obviously talk about quite a bit, like with the whole vegan thing, there's always going to be that stereotype that vegans are pretentious and that like there's a lot of kind of pretentious preachy morons. I get it. That's always going to be there, but... There's also going to be a lot of people that are kind of a, a, a quiet majority who are just normal people who just get into it because they want to help animals. There's going to be a quiet majority for anime fans who just watch it because it's fun yeah. and it's cartoony yeah. and it's and it's silly and it's and it's entertaining and it's. Alive. I have had this actual. Um, I, I have had this uh, kind of uh, ongoing debate with a friend of mine who is very put off by it and he thinks you know the cute anime girls are creepy because that's made to appeal to people that um you know want the sexualization right and while that's true to certain extents in certain contexts like again i i still am a firm believer that something can be cute just because you can appreciate cuteness um i I feel like also i will argue like there's just as much sexualization in western shows it's just in a different way yes so like 
I mean, if, if you look at like Game of Thrones, for example, there's a lot of sex scenes in that. They exist purely to titillate the viewer. Yeah, I think they exist purely just just to like titillate viewers because they're not there for the narrative. It's the same as like look at how popular Fifty Shades of Grey was. That to me is proof that I like, think people problem... have an obsession with like with, like sex and horniness, and they want that environment. Oh yeah, and, and that like, applies to Jap- Japanese stuff as well. It's just a bit different. We, so one of the interesting trends that I've noticed is the normalization of sexuality in larger cultural conversations. Like if you were on social media at all when Resident Evil Village was still like the big mm. thing to talk about, like all of the Lady D- Dimitri- Dimitrescu, Dimitrescu, yeah. Lady Dimitrescu. No, Lady Dimitrescu, all of the memes around her were in, about her se- sexualization. And big, like, figures and companies, like, even Xbox made, like, posts and memes about it. And it's because there's nothing wrong with sexuality. It's just, there is, like, that cultural hang-up. Um, but I think one of the things, at, especially with VTubers, too, is that, like, they because they're ostensibly, like, digital idols right there's the idol there's the there's the need for japanese idol culture to preserve like youth and present like a youthful image um so i think that there is something there's that stigmatization and i I think to some degree that people are right to think right or it's like it is kind of I hesitate to say creepy just because it's like, like if you look at something like Kill the Kill, right? Like Ryuko is billed as being 16, 17. And it's like, you know, she's being pretty, like you've seen Kill the Kill, you know what Kill the Kill is. And it's like, yeah, yeah. But you you get into the whole argument of it's it's fiction, right? And it's not, it's not about that. And I also, I also keep in mind in Japan, their perception of age is a bit different because they have an earlier legal age of consent. Yes. Now, I'm not going to de- debate whether that's right or wrong because it depends on people's cultural values. Obviously, I personally think that's too, y- think that's too young, but I live in the UK and I've been raised with the UK age yeah. of consent. Keeping in mind, in the UK, it's different. 16 is our age of consent. In America, it's 18. Mm-hmm. So that, this, this opens a whole new kind of worms. In America, if somebody was sleeping with a 17-year-old, they'd be called a paedophile or something. Whereas like in the UK, that would be fine. Because seventeen is legally older. Now, technically, you're not an adult till you're eighteen. But even so, we're not quite as hung up on stuff like that in the UK. It's because the the legal age of consent is sixteen. But obviously, like different cultures see things in different ways. Um, Yeah. So my motto is just don't be a creep and don't fuck. That that is (laughs) all we can hope for, and that's really all that I I hope for out of VTuber fans. Don't be a creep. I, I, I think. Yeah, I think it's the fact that, like, with the whole anime sexualization thing, it's not 100% that it happens. It's the fact that when you look at the demographic typically doing that, it is creeps. It is the incel, the neckbeards, yeah. those kind of weirdos. The people where, like, they've never been with a girl, they've never, or never been with a guy, whatever. Like, like they've just never, uh, they've never actually been with someone. And that are Well, what I do is, like, really bad. appreciate about VTubers, especially... Um, and watching Hollow Live's growth over the past year is that they bring these conversations to the forefront. Like, they, mm. a lot of their fans, like, take active stances against views like this um, and will call it out. Uh, so, which is really nice that they are seeing the success and 
also acknowledging the failures and trying to change the tone of the cultural conversation so that those failures become less prevalent. Mm. Like there is a good amount of self-policing um, in the VTuber communities to call out bad behavior. And it's bad mm. behavior that's like kind of just gone unchecked and treated as, oh, those weebs, or those neckbeards. I'm, I'm really glad that they're doing that and they're actually challenging it. So I, I am, you, like pe people shouldn't just hide behind. Oh, I'm just a weeb. I'm a neckbeard. It's like no, like like you're just an that's asshole. just a rebranding. That's just oh yeah, it's a rebranding of the word asshole, a rebranding of the word sex pest. Like like you're not like oh you can't you can't justify being a creepy, uh, sexually messed up weirdo under the guise of oh it's because I like anime. Oh, fuck you, you're a twat. Um. So so yeah, yeah. Anyways. So. All, all this to say, I'm excited to see more English-speaking VTubers because I enjoy it and I have Hell fun. yeah. Um, Star, Star Wars, anime streaming, and weird... Well, one, one, last, one, one last announcement. Uh, VTubers. Oh, one last one, announcement. One la I, I'm a little more excited for this. I, I don't think you've watched the show, but it was just this morning that Konosuba uh, got confirmed for another anime season which is very exciting because it, it's been four years since season two. We got the movie, but it's like a, honestly, like another season for Konosuba was kind of inevitable just because it's so insanely globally popular. Mm. Like, I've not seen it, but I have heard of it. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, the, the light novel finished up, I think, what, what was it? It was last year. It finished up last year. So like the, the series is done. It's just the anime adaptation will continue, which is really nice to see. I, I'm very excited for it. I, I really like Konosuba. Konosuba is a lot of fun. You should watch it. I, I feel like you'd enjoy it. What's it about? It is an isekai, but it is an isekai that takes the piss out of other isekai. Oh, okay. I'm going to put it on my phone and add it to my watch list. I, I think you'd have fun with it. Speaking, so speaking of streaming services, what's it on? It is on Crunchyroll. Oh, good stuff. So, I have a Crunchyroll There you go. This is not sponsored by Crunchyroll or Konosuba, but just go, go watch Konosuba on Crunchyroll. But if it was sponsored by Crunchyroll, I would take that money. That is me. a true I would happily statement. advertise. I, I, would, <laughs> I would take back all my swearing. I would be on my best behavior if I was getting paid by Crunchyroll. But we are not, so we're swearing and not being on our best behavior. Yes. We're, we are not look, paid. We're look, not at, look at what happens. We're, look at what happens when Matt isn't here. <laughs> that's it yeah <laughs> it just descends into it just carnage. descends into carnage um, but i feel like Ma matt's the responsible one of us I, I think that would probably I bet he's, be the most he's he's the, the, da the daddy of our family yeah you might want to rephrase that too but you know i okay <laughs> sure yeah then we'll go with that and on that note the daddy of our family um i think that about wraps it up for today's podcast uh harry yeah where can we find you or what do you have to plug? You're, you're still working on your album. Uh, yeah, still working on it, but nothing as of yet. Uh, Coruscant underscore music. No, not underscore music, just Coruscant music, even on Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got a SoundCloud as well called Coruscant. Um, that's C-O-R-I-S-O-N. Uh, in terms of what I want to plug, I, I don't know. Like, there's, there's nothing immediately. I mean, I mean I've, I played Ocarina of Time recently, which is obviously brilliant. Um, 
But I feel like it's a bit of a weird one to plug one of the most famous and acclaimed games of all time. <laughs> but I will say, if you've never played Ocarina of Time, if, if you've never played those old Zelda games, because I know a few people like started with Breath of the Wild and haven't gone back, uh, dust off your Wii U and get Ocarina of Time or, or play it on 3DS by all means. Um, yeah, get, get Ocarina of Time and, and start on that Zelda hype. It is really good. There you go. Never, That's a bit of a weird, weird, weird plug for today. It is never too late to join the bandwagon. Never too late. Absolutely. And I already plugged Scarlet Nexus. I was having fun. It's it, it's popcorn. It is junk food, but it's very, very good junk food. Um, as for who I am, I am at like the rogue on Twitter. Uh, and as always, you can find me shit posting on Xbox, trying to make anime cool with the kids. But cool. I think that is it for today. So. Thank you for joining us, and we should hopefully have all three of us back together soon, sometime. And I think as uh, Matt says, ciao.